Thank you for listening to the City Lights podcast. You can visit us on Sundays, 10 a.m. at 4100 20th Street in Greeley. We hope you enjoy the message. Good morning, church. I'm excited. I'm excited to preach to you today. Welcome to 2021. This is our first service of 2021. Come on. And uh, I want to play a, a little video of a recap of, uh, to summarize what 2020 was like. So go ahead and roll that video. This is what it was like. This collection represents 35 years of my life. Oh, careful. Our journey begins with this mic. David, microphone. Whoa! That summarizes last year for me. <laughs> or my favorite meme of last year was this. Go ahead and put that one up. Optimist, the glass is half full. Pessimist, the glass is half empty. 2020, that's P, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> that was my favorite meme of 2020. <clears throat> so hopefully this year will be better. It was, by all accounts, it was a tough year. Um, <clears throat> We're beginning a new series today that will coincide with uh, the 14 days of prayer and fasting that we're beginning tomorrow. Um, so January 4th through 17th, we're doing 14 days of prayer and fasting. I want to encourage you to jump in with us and participate in that. Um, I've been praying into a theme of what God wanted us to focus on in those 14 days, and I feel like God did give us some specific direction. The year is 2021. And I feel like God wants us to take the next 14 days and the next three Sundays and focus on the one. One God is God first in my life. One God. One heart. Is my heart whole? Is my heart healed? And one mission. Does my love overflow to my neighbor, to my world? Amen. So our 14 days of prayer and fasting will coincide uh, with this theme. And I just I want to encourage you to intentionally be praying with us for the next 14 days. We're going to have um, corporate times here at the church of prayer, um, and those times vary. So you have to go to our website to find out those different times that we'll be here praying. But if you can make any of those, um, please do. We um, come, come out to those. Um, so we begin tomorrow. And if uh, you don't have to fast, but if, you, if God leads you to fast, um, do it. Um, and uh, you, so you have a little time to decide to, you know, tonight what, you, what you'd want to fast. So uh, go ahead and put up that slide. Here's a few different examples of, of fast that you could do. You could do, um, there's a Daniel fast, which is um, vegetables and water only, or some people do fruit and vegetables and water only. Uh, you could do no meats or sweets, uh, no refined sugars. That's a good one for kids, by the way. We highly encourage you, invite your kids to participate in this. Um, fasting is tough for a lot of people, especially kids, but... No sweets. I mean, we can all do that, right? We can all stand to do without some sweets. Uh, you could do no refined sugars or starches. Uh, social media fast is a really good one, a really popular one that people like to do. Uh, another one that's good for kids is no screens. No screens for, uh, you know, 14 days. Uh, number seven, skip one or meal daily. This is the one that the Lord led me to do. I'm going to just, while the sun's up, I'm not going to be eating. So I'm just going to be eating in the evening. That's what I felt like the Lord led me to do in early December. And uh, I was talking to my wife yesterday. 
I don't even know if she's decided. She was bouncing around a few different ideas herself. So you could do juice fast, liquids only fast, caffeine fast. You have a headache for a couple days, but it'll go away. <laughs> or if you're really burly, water only fast. I'm not known as like a guy who's good at fasting. Like I like to eat, you know, and I work out a lot and I burn a lot of calories. So food is like important to me. So anything here is hard for me. So I don't boast that I'm a good faster by any means. But um, some, some people actually have a grace on their life to fast, to pray and fast. Um, okay, so include the whole family, include kids. Why fast? It's not about proving that, you know, you love God, proving your love for God or, or getting into works, okay? It's simply a time of denying yourself, just telling yourself no. How many know it's good to tell yourself no every once in a while? Don't give yourself everything that self wants, okay? <clears throat> so <clears throat> tell yourself no. Many times in the Bible, there was, uh, in my view, there were three times when people fasted. Number one, when they needed a breakthrough. They needed a miracle. There was something they needed immediately to happen, right? And many times they fasted. Another, another time in the Bible that people fasted was when God actually commanded them to fast. There was, God would say, call a fast, fast and pray. Or there would be, um, I think it's Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. God said, fast, fast that 25-hour that period, and they were commanded to fast. And then it, also in the Bible, as a matter of routine and as a matter of spiritual discipline, some people fasted and prayed. Anna, Anna the prophetess and um, intercessor, who we talked about a couple weeks ago uh, when we were talking about the, the Christmas story, she was waiting in the temple. She, she fasted and prayed, and she was waiting for the Messiah to be revealed, who was, you know, baby Jesus. Um, she fasted and she prayed. So for her, it was a matter of spiritual discipline and, and routine. So many Christians around the world, they take the first couple weeks of the year, first few weeks, and they pray intentionally and, and, and fast. So I encourage you to join us. Again, if you, you know, because of people on different medications or things like that, if you're pregnant, obviously you shouldn't fast, um, at least not food, you know. Um, or if you're on medications, you can't fast. We understand that. But consider what you would do and intentionally pray into this and, and fast with us. All right? That begins tomorrow. So today, uh, we're honing in on point number one, or sermon number one, one God. Is God first in my life? This is the question we're asking. Is God first in my life? Today is the first Sunday of the year. Typically, there are 52 Sundays in a year, so we have 51 Sundays after today. What better time to ask the question, is God first in my life? Is he my number one priority? All right? Listen, as a pastor, I have no problem saying God should be your number one priority. He should be number one in your life. I have absolutely no problem saying that. I feel really good saying that. I feel good saying that to myself, that God should be my highest priority in my life. In fact, everything works better in your life when he is your number one priority. When you love him first, it's, it's easy to understand who you are and to love yourself and to love others, right? It's just a natural overflow. You have something to give away when you love God and you put him first. Uh, an illustration I thought of is uh, those of you who have manual transmissions in your car. When you're at a stoplight, if you put it in first gear and you, you know, allow the clutch and keep going, um, it's very easy to start in first gear, right? First gear, first things first. But have you ever put it in third gear and tried to start the car at a light? It just dies, right? Okay, this is what it's like in the Christian walk. 
We, we have a tendency, we can often do this to put other things, even service, even serving and, and doing good things and admirable things. Listen, the enemy of your soul, Satan, he will gladly let you exchange good at the exchange of best. He will, he will gladly get you settled for good at the expense of best. And so what's good? I mean, good is serving and, and uh, giving and all those different things. But if God's not your number one priority, you know, maybe Satan can't get you to sin or maybe he can't get you to deny God, but maybe he can get you to exchange good at the exchange of best. So God should be our number one priority in life. First things first. Um, before I get into some of the practicals um, of this teaching, um, I want to give a little recap about uh, what I believe God did last year, what he did in 2020. Um, we joke about what a bad year it was, um, but I think we need to look at what the gift of 2020 was. Adam actually kind of already alluded to this. What did God do in 2020? I believe God allowed a little bit of shaking, a lot of shaking actually, the whole world was shaken to occur. Now, and I believe God allowed that, and it was God who was allowing that shaking. Now, I don't want you to get confused and think that any shaking that happens or any discomfort or any pain or any suffering in your life is a result because God's doing it, okay? You do have an enemy of your soul. Satan is our adversary, and we have a loving father, okay? And we need to see those as different. Um, in terms of end-time events, there's, there's many negative things that will happen in the world, and the, one of the aspects of that is God shaking, Okay? But there are three other aspects I don't want us to lose sight of. It's Satan's rage. Satan hates you. He hates this world. And he's been enraged as he was cast to this world. Uh, man's rebellion is a factor in the end times. And creation actually groaning. Creation's groaning. This is in Romans uh, 8, I believe. That for the manifestation of the sons and daughters to be revealed. Those are all factors. And it takes wisdom to understand the difference. But I do believe God actually allowed us to be shaken, okay? When God shakes you, it's a good thing. When God shakes us, it's actually a very good thing. Why? Because it's out of his love for us, his love for you. He's passionate about you. He's passionate about loving us, okay? Um, and he is happy to shake any false foundation that you're standing on. He is delighted to shake a false foundation that you might be standing on, okay? Let me uh, give this illustration. Um, I have kids who are not so young anymore, but they're, they're still pretty young. Um, and I'm happy to expose a false foundation in their life now. It's like you're, you're eight years old, you're 10 years old. Oh, it's like, um, you know, it's better to catch little Billy trying to steal a candy bar at age eight, right? So that you can identify that rebellion, expose that rebellion, speak truth into him. That's not who you are. You know, that's not right. That's not who you are. It's better to catch them at age eight and correct that behavior than to not see that. And then at age 20, little Billy's now stealing a car, right? I'd rather, I'd rather shake little Billy when he's little to correct that behavior than to have, you know, the Weld County government shake him at age 20. Amen? Okay. God is happy to expose false foundations in your life and in my life um, prior to the end of our lives. Or, the, or let me say it this way, that there's a day of judgment, okay? Now, you start saying judgment, people start getting scared here. 
I want to talk about judgment for a minute. In the Bible, there are two types of judgments. There is the great white throne of judgment, which Christians will not stand before. If you're a Christian, your sin is taken care of. You're, you're, you're washed in the blood of Jesus. Our sin is as far as from the east is from the west. Amen? So we will not stand before the great white throne of judgment to be judged by Jesus because our sins were taken care of. But there is a judgment seat of Christ that believers will stand in front of. It's known as the Bema seat. It's the rewarder seat where Jesus offers rewards to those who followed him. And that's a good thing, that, that our king will say, well done, that good and faithful servant. Here is, you know, he bestows gifts. I don't know what that will look like. I don't know how that shakes out. But the Bible is also clear that it is possible to stand before the Bema seat. And though many believers were saved, were blood-bought, were going into heaven, but it's possible to stand before the Bema seat, the rewarder seat, and to feel a sense of loss, to suffer loss on that day. Okay, so this is why God is happy to shake us and to shake and, and reveal false foundations, false motives, right, within our hearts, and because he's a loving father. And you would do the same for your kids, amen? Okay, so God is happy to shake us. The gift, I don't know about you, but maybe the gift of 2020 was that, for me personally, I was able to take a couple steps back and really analyze is this really important? Is this place that I'm you know, spending my time, my money, my energy, is that really important in light of eternity? You know, shaking really gets you to analyze and look at your life and look at eternity and what's really important. Does this thing really matter? Does this hobby really matter? Amen? Um, let me tell you something, church. That is a really healthy exercise for us to do every once in a while. You know, God doesn't mind you having things. He, he's a generous father. He's a father who blesses us, amen? He, he's blessed us so much in so many ways. He doesn't mind you having things. He minds things having you, amen? Okay, he's a loving, blessing father. But listen, if your trust was in the economy, it was shaken. If your comfort was in entertainment and being able to go out and go to games and eat out and all those different things, it was shaken. If your confidence was in politics, it was definitely shaken, and still being shaken. <clears throat> Whatever your trust, comfort, or confidence is in that is not rooted in God, he is delighted to shake. He will do it. Why? Because he's a good father who loves us. Hebrews 12 says that God will shake everything that can be shaken. Why? So that what can't be shaken, his kingdom will remain, and our lives will be standing on what can't be shaken. He wants you to be standing on the rock that can't be shaken. He doesn't want you standing on false foundations that can't support you and hold you up. Amen? All right. If you have your Bibles, turn to Mark chapter 12, verses uh, 28 through 31. I feel like my message today, it's uh, simple yet profound. We're talking about God being first, one God. Or I'll say it this way. Does Jesus have lordship in your life? Is he Lord? Is he, do you know him as Savior only, or do you also know him as Lord? Is he the Lord of your life? Does he have lordship in your life? All right. Jesus asked this question by one of the Pharisees, Mark 12, 28. One of the teachers of the law came to him and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? Verse 29, the most important one, Jesus answered, is this. 
Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all of your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Okay, we're going to touch on verse 30 next week and verse 31 the week after that. But today I want to hone in on verse 29, which is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. The Lord is one. I want to suggest to you today that the catalyst for loving God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength has its origin in the Lord is one. Okay, Jesus here in, in uh, Mark 12, he's, he's quoting Deuteronomy chapter 6. And it reads like this. Hero Israel, Yahweh, our Elohim, Yahweh is one. Yahweh, our God, Yahweh is one. The Lord, our God, the Lord is one. Now, this may not seem like a revolutionary revelation to us, but back in those days, and for really most of world history, polytheism was a major thing. In some parts of the world, polytheism is still a major thing, which is the, the belief or the worship in more than one God. Okay? Um, even Paul, to the church in Corinth, Paul is teaching about spiritual gifts and uh, to the church in Corinth and uh, First uh, Corinthians, and he says, "There's not, there, there's uh, when the, when the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit are moving among you. There's not one God who's working miracles, a different God who's working speaking in tongues, another God who's working interpretation of tongues, miracles, word of knowledge, word of wisdom, all the different gifts of the Spirit. He's not saying there's not a God for each of those things. He's like it's one and the same Spirit working all to manifest those gifts in the body of Christ." So even, even Paul in 1 Corinthians, he's talking to a church who's familiar with polytheism. They're used to worshiping many false gods. He's saying, here, there's only one God. He's trying to renew their minds, get them to think there's only one God, okay? So throughout history and in some parts of the world, that is still the case. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. You see, in order to worship and love one God with all your heart, mind, soul, strength, you have to believe in the one God. Now, um, I'm going somewhere here with this. In 2021, in the United States of America, we don't struggle with polytheism, right? <laughs> the worship of more than one God. Or I'll just say, let's just keep it right here. I know that there's a lot going on out there. <laughs> but <laughs> let's just keep it here. You and I would never struggle with polytheism, now would we? Or do we? Now, you and I may not believe that there are many deities, but it is possible for you and I to struggle with idolatry. It's very possible for us to struggle with idolatry. After all, what is idolatry? It is, is it not something that you place your confidence in? Is it not something you place your trust in? Is it not something that is the object of your affection? Is that not idolatry? Watch this, Philippians. There's many, many verses in the Old Testament where it talks about don't worship these, worth, these worthless idols. I brought you out of Egypt. Don't worship these stupid, worthless idols. Stop going back to that. But in the New Testament, it also talks about worship, um, idolatry. Philippians 3, 18 through 20, it says this. For as, for, as I often, for as I have often told you before now, I tell you again, 
even with tears. Many live as enemies of the cross. Their uh, destiny is their destruction. Their God is their stomach. And their glory is their shame. It is possible that your God is consumerism. Right? In America, we may not be polytheistic by and large. But how many know this is the land of many idols? The God of our consumerism. The God of our stomachs. I love America. I think this is the greatest country on earth. But man, consumerism is a serious problem for us. Can be a serious problem. Their mind is not, their mind is set on earthly things. But our citizenship, come on guys, our citizenship, citizenship is in heaven as we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay? Don't be so tethered to this place, to this world, that your mind is set on earthly things and your God is your stomach. Our citizenship is in heaven. We're waiting for Jesus to return from there. Amen? Colossians 3, 1 through 6, it says this. Since you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ appears, who is your life? When, when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. Okay? We may not struggle with polytheism, but we certainly can struggle with idolatry. Okay? When I read the Bible, it fascinates me how quickly the children of Israel would backslide time and time again and go back to worshiping worthless idols. When God said in Deuteronomy 6, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, he was trying to get them to renew their thinking to worship only one God, the true God. And I believe it's the same with us today. We often chase worthless idols instead of following God. Okay? So, church, what are you placing your faith, your confidence, and your trust in? Do you have idolatry in your life? Is it your bank account? Is it social security? That could be idolatry. If it's your faith and trust and your confidence in that check. Is it a political party? Is it a hobby? Let me ask you a question. If God asked you to lay down that hobby, would you do it? That thing you're into. Look, I'm into some, I'm into some stuff I really like. But would I lay it down if God asked me to? Is it a boat? Is it a bike? Is it a phone? Man, that could be idolatry. It's an object of our affection just scrolling, right? It can be a girlfriend. It can be a boyfriend. It can be a spouse. It can be a car. Anything can become an idol in your life. It could be elevated above the worship of the one true living God. And it can be you. But here's the thing. You were not meant to worship you. You were made for him. We were made for him. Man, and when we put him first, everything else flows so beautiful in our lives. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love him with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all of your strength. All right. <clears throat> Matthew 6, 19 through 24, Jesus said this. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Isn't that awesome? We can actually store up treasures in heaven. 
where moths and vermin do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. If your treasure is here on temporal things, that's where your heart is. If your treasure is in heaven, that's where your heart is. Amen? Watch this. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. All right, I want to look a little closer at verse 22. He says this, The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. What does he mean? Does he mean people that have to wear glasses are less spiritual? Because I don't have glasses on. And I could make that case. But I would be wrong. Okay. But I would be wrong. No, he's not. Like, if you have glaucoma, it doesn't mean you're, you know, less spiritual. Okay. What does he mean by healthy? If your eyes are healthy. He's talking about a perspective. He's talking about a perspective. He's talking about your vision. He's talking about your desires. If your eyes are healthy, your desire is healthy. If your perspective on the world is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. I want to look at this Greek word, the Greek word for healthy here. Strong's 573, hapalus, properly means this. Unfolded, single, literally without folds. Referring to a single undivided focus without a secret double agenda, which prevents an overcomplicated life becoming needlessly distracted. If your eye is single, your whole body will be full of light, referring to a single undivided focus, which prevents an overcomplicated life becoming needlessly distracted. Okay? The King James Version actually says, if your eye is single. And then for that particular verse, I think the King James, although the, um, the old King James can be hard to read sometimes that actually hits it right on the head if your eye is single your whole body will be full of light let me ask you this church do you have a simple and single focus or is your heart divided in so many different directions are you needlessly being distracted and pulled in this direction and that direction by all kinds of different desires and wants perhaps the gift of 2020 is that we would have 2020 vision for the one. Hero Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Worship him with all of your heart, mind, soul, strength. Amen? All right. Why don't you guys stand to your feet? And I'm going to pray. Lord Jesus, we love you. You are the one true living God. And I pray for your church, God. I pray for your bride, the bride of Christ, Lord God. God, you are going to see to it that your bride is focused. You're going to see to it that your bride is falling in love with you, Lord. God, we look to you, Lord, right now. God, we, we declare there's no God besides you in Jesus' name. And we ask if there's any false idols in our life, God, cast them down. God, I, Holy Spirit, I ask that you would just highlight in every heart if there's anything that's gaining prominence above your name, above your glory, above your honor, above your lordship in our lives, God. God, expose that to our hearts right now in Jesus' name, and let us bring that thing in check, and let us subdue it below the name of Jesus. At the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow, every tongue confess that he is Lord. Lord, Lord, disperse and challenge and disrupt our false idols, Lord. 
We love you. You are the God of glory. You are the God of all pleasure, Lord. You, you bring pleasure to our lives, Lord God. We are made for you. You are made for us, Lord God. And we love you today, Lord God. I pray, God, for 2021 would be the year of the one we would focus on you, Lord Jesus. You would be the object and the desire of our affection. We love you. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Bless you guys. That was so good. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. Thanks again for tuning into the City Lights podcast. We appreciate your support, and we'd love to fellowship with you. You can visit us on Sundays, 10 a.m. at 4100 20th Street in Greeley. Be sure to check out our website at citylights.church, where you can submit prayer requests, receive info on special events, and find our social media links. We're glad you could join us, and we hope you have a blessed week.